Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with all of our listeners. Excited for today's topic. Um, you know, it's an important topic to talk about. People, we, we're always so focused on deliverance and, and spiritual warfare here. I also want to make sure that we focus on the things that we can do, uh, all the things that are our disposal as Catholics, the different devotions that we can incorporate into our life, um, where we don't have to directly think about spiritual warfare. But remember, all the devotions we do, all the prayers we do, it's all going to lead in that direction. That's really what spiritual warfare is about. It's not so much about fighting the devil. It's about getting my heart ready to meet God, getting my heart ready to for myself to look more like Christ. And I think more than ever in this month of June, I take great pride in the sacred heart. It's the month of the sacred heart. Do we take pride in that as Catholics? I think we need to talk about that. We need to talk about the sacred heart. We need to talk about St. Margaret Mary, who is the our, our saint who gave us the devotion to the sacred heart uh and we need to talk about adoption believe it or not she is the saint of adoption i think it's very appropriate to have that conversation in the month of june as we celebrate the sacred heart before we do that let's get started with the angelus in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen the angel of the lord declared unto mary and she conceived of the holy spirit hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, we're in the month of June. <clears throat> the month devoted to the Sacred Heart. It's a very special time. I mean, we, I don't know how often we think about the Sacred Heart. Obviously here, uh, you know, we're at the Sacred Heart Chapel. So it's our patron, uh, uh, you know, our patronage, our, our our patron devotion, if you will. I want to say saint because obviously it's Jesus Christ himself, uh, our devotion to the Sacred Heart that's important. And I think that that's what carries our ministry here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Obviously, Our Lady, we, uh, we, you know, we invoke the patronage of Our Lady and the Sacred Heart here at the chapel. I don't think it gets any better than that. But what's important to talk about with the Sacred Heart? Well, there's a few things. 
the first thing is we got to ask ourselves, well, where did this come from? Where did this devotion to the Sacred Heart come from? And we have, when we do think about the Sacred Heart, we have to think of Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque. She is a saint who uh, Christ appeared to and introduced the devotion to the Sacred Heart to. Now, I think she's a very, very important saint. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Saint Mary, Margaret Mary. Uh, her feast day is October sixteenth, and she is the patron of those suffering with polio, devotees to the Sacred Heart, of course, and loss of parents. I thought that was a very interesting uh, patronage to have, loss of parents, um, especially in relation to the Sacred Heart. And we're celebrating this in the month of the Sacred Heart. And that tells me that Gosh, there's some kind of a connection. There's never any coincidence in our Catholic faith. You know, we think, oh, wow, that was a coincidence. There's no coincidences with God. If we're in the month of June, we take pride in our sacred heart, and we start thinking about loss of parents, it's important to think about, and it's important to think about something uh, that we're going to talk about in the show called, <clears throat> believe it or not, um, there's an issue called adopted children syndrome. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because when there's a loss of parents, when children are adopted or when there's a missing parent, certain things can happen. And a lot of children will go ahead and suffer in many different ways, a lot of mental anguish. And we're going to get into that. We're going to see where the connection lies. I think it's very, very important to talk about um, when we're talking about families, when we're talking about moms and dads and kids. And if anybody knows or follows uh, my program, you know that I have a special uh, uh, mission, a special place in my heart for the family, for fighting for the family, and understanding the way God made the family through natural law. But let's talk about St. Margaret Mary and understand her life and see if we can relate to her. So, again, feast day is October 16th. Her patronage is for those suffering from polio, devotees to the Sacred Heart, and loss of parents. She was born July 22nd, 1647, and she died October 17th, 1690. Now, she was beatified in Rome by Pope Pius IX, September 18th, 1864, and she was canonized by Pope Benedict the 15th, not the 16th, the 15th, on May 13th, 1920. Very special day, May 13th, right? Our, like, we think of Our Lady of Fatima, of course, when we have our devotions. Uh, we think of all these things, and there's, there's no coincidence here. But what's important about St. Margaret Mary? Well, she was a French Roman Catholic visitation nun and mystic, and is, of course, greatly recognized by her devotion to the Sacred Heart. I've got a nice little article here from Catholic Online. I'm going to put the attachment to the show. Uh, but let me read a few little things about her that might uh, inspire us to have a greater devotion to the Sacred Heart and to, Saint, uh, and to pray to St. Margaret Mary, that we can do that well. She was born in 1647, as we said, in France, and she was the only daughter um, of Claude and Philbert Lamiel Alacoque. Now, she was always showing a great interest and love for the Blessed Sacrament. And it says that even as a child, she preferred silence and prayer over typical childhood play. Now, do we know any children that way? How many times do we encourage our children to slow down and to pray a little bit more versus do we say, oh, you're a kid, get out there and pray you should, or, and play with the other kids. You should be more active. And yes, I agree that our children should be active. We should be active. I think that that's wonderful. But how many times do we encourage prayer in our children and true devotion? How many times do we uh, inculcate true love for our, the Blessed Sacrament? I think that we've got to remember that part of it is the, we have to pray for it, and the Lord will give that to us. But St. Margaret Mary had that. She had a great devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. I think that's wonderful. And it says that she began practicing severe corporal mortification 
after her first communion at the age of nine years old. Now, I'm not an advocate for corporal mortification. You know, that was back in, in uh, the 1600s here. Nowadays, I say there's different ways we can make sacrifice. I worry about people actually hurting themselves um, and causing trauma. Uh, I don't think that our Lord wants that. There are certain mortifications that we can do. If you're ever moved to do something more intense, talk to your spiritual advisor first before you do that. Um, but mortification is good. We talk about fasting. We talk about uh, mortifying the the, uh, uh, the body. We talk about custody of the eyes. We talk about making different sacrifices. And she's right there at nine years old after her first Holy Communion. This is a beautiful relationship she has with Christ already, devoted to the Blessed Sacrament. She feels this great love for Holy Communion. Now, it says that she continued doing this. She continued this mortification until she suffered rheumatic fever, which was very common uh, back in the day. And she was confined to her bed for four years. How many times do we feel confined? You know, when I read about the saints and I think, gosh, it's easy to say, wow, look at what they did. And I could never do that. But the reality is, if we take a step back, do we ever feel confined? You know, I mean, recently, I, I would say all of us in the last couple of years, last two, three years, we were confined. We were under quarantine. We couldn't move. We couldn't go anywhere. Maybe we didn't have rheumatic fever like St. Margaret Mary, but boy, we were tied down. The question I would have is, were we offering that to Christ? Were we saying, Lord, this is a sacrifice, but I'm going to offer it to you. I'm going to wait patiently and see what you have for me during this time. Or we can feel confined in different ways. Maybe we're not getting that promotion at work that we want. Maybe we're not getting, uh, you know, the hope, or we didn't get something that we hoped for. And then we say, gosh, I feel confined. Can I offer that to God? Do we believe that there's merit there? Well, let's see what St. Margaret Mary does. She said, it says, remember, she was combined, confined to bed for four years after making a vow to the Blessed Virgin to consecrate herself to religious life, Margaret instantly returned to perfect health she was there for four years she said i want to do something for you god i realize you know sometimes these illnesses we say oh sure when you're sick you're going to make these promises because you don't want to be sick anymore but i think sometimes we get these illnesses and, and we're, or we're in these confined states maybe because god wants to be more present in our lives and we don't have anything else that's when we really turn to god saint margaret mary turned to our lady and she said i want to consecrate myself to religious life right away perfect health that's pretty amazing. There's no, you know, if you say, gosh, what a coincidence in the in the scientific world as a medical doctor, I would say, of course, that's a coincidence. I have no explanation for such a rapid recovery. The question is, am I willing to take that leap of faith and say, yeah, that was due to your consecration to Our Lady. That was really Our Lady's doing there, and, and she um, she took care of you. It's it's pretty risky, right, in, in the medical world to even consider that, but the reality is, hey, you know, we are, uh, um, as Catholics, we have to take that to heart. We have to recognize that. If I'm feeling confined, if I'm praying to God, if I'm offering myself to God, God is going to work in my life, right? Okay, so it says that in recognition of this favor, remember the time she was just Margaret, uh, she wasn't born Margaret Mary, but in recognition of this favor, she added the name Mary to her baptismal name. This is where she decided to become Margaret Mary before she was just Margaret. That's pretty special. You know, we we forget about our names as well. Do we think about this with our kids when I'm naming my child? Is there something special there? Is there something that I'm thinking about? What am I what name am I choosing for my child? What devotion are they going to have? What's that name going to mean to them? Well, Our Lady obviously had a big impact in the life of St. Margaret Mary. She decided to add her name. 
with more on the Sacred Heart and St. Margaret Mary when we come back from the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, where we definitely talk about our health, our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. There's no way of getting around that it's all one in the same. Today, we're talking about the Sacred Heart. We're talking about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, and we're talking about adoption and what that means. Why? Because St. Margaret Mary is actually the patron of loss of parents. And that's an important thing to consider, you know, in this uh, month of June devoted to our pride in the sacred heart uh, of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a family? What does it mean to be devoted to our Lord? And what does this mean for our children? I always want to have that special place in our hearts for our families. Before we continue on the show, though, I want to remind everybody, we are going to be having the men's conference coming up Saturday, June 18th. It's going to be a great conference. You know, we call it the men's conference, but I always encourage spouses to come, uh, you know, wives to come with with uh, uh, your husbands, because we start, we have to learn from each other. We have to learn how to treat each other, how to be with each other. And I'm not, I'm not going to learn much about my spouse if if I don't ever attend a women's conference and listen to what's important to them, again, the conference is going to be Saturday, June 18th, 2022 at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can join uh, and you can register on our website at virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Um, and you can go ahead and register. It's a great schedule. I was just looking at the schedule here. Um, you know, it's going to start at uh, 8 o'clock with check-in. 9 a.m. is going to be Jesse Romero. He's going to be talking about the role of men. At 10.15, Ruben Nava is going to give a talk, Calling All Men, the Authentic Catholic Masculinity. 11.30, Jesse's going to take it again with the role of women based on God's word. At 1.45, there's going to be a lunch break. At 1.45, Terry Barber is going to come on, How to Get the Most Out of Your Marriage. And then it's going to close with Jesse Romero talking to us about patriarchy coming from God and anarchy coming from Satan. There's going to be a follow-up with Adoration and Holy Mass. I think it's going to be a great conference. I'm going to try to attend. Uh, I'll try to be there on the side of the chapel. I know a lot of times people will have questions or people will want to talk about, well, this is happening in my marriage. What does that mean? Is this a mental health issue? Always happy to answer those questions. So I'm going to try to do my best to attend there and just uh, uh, be present and learn a lot from these talks. Um, but let's get back to St. Margaret Mary. So where we left off was that <clears throat> um, she had changed her name. She had added the name Mary to her name. And I think for myself as parents, why? Because she consecrated herself to Our Lady. She asked Our Lady to please, uh, um, he, well, she didn't ask her to hear. She just said she was going to consecrate herself to Our Lady while she was experiencing rheumatic fever. And she was cured instantly. She added the name Mary to her a baptismal name. And then it says from then on, St. Margaret Mary experienced visions of Jesus Christ for most of her life. I mean, can you imagine that? Just experiencing visions of Jesus Christ for most of her life. It said, but she thought they were a normal part of life and continued to practice austerity. Well, who wouldn't think that, right? If I'm having visions of Jesus Christ every day and just normally, I would think, well, doesn't everybody? It's kind of like when you grow up in a home and you assume that Everybody loves the way we do. Everybody, you know, has the same experiences we do as far as with their parents and at home. You know, but it's not like that, right? When we start talking to our friends later on in life, we say, don't your parents do this or that? They say, no, gosh, my parents never did that. And we start thinking, wow, okay, that's what we did at our house. St. Margaret Mary, she had visions of Jesus all the time. For her, it was normal. Boy, I wish I could be in, in, in those shoes, so I say. But 
there's going to be a great responsibility that comes with that. Let's take a look at what happens in her life. It says her father passed away. Maybe that's where her devotion for loss of parents comes in. I couldn't find that. If any of any listeners understand why she has that loss of parents devotion, let me know. But all I could read from her history was that her father did pass away and her family was forced into poverty because rel relatives refused to give her the family assets to her mom. Um, and it says that her only comfort in life at that time when she was forced into poverty were frequent visits to play, pray before the Blessed Sacrament of a local church. When she was 17, however, her fortune came back to her. It says that her family was able to regain control of their assets, but her mother started to encourage her to become more social in hopes that she would find a suitable husband. Well, one night after attending a ball in an evening dress, says that Margaret had a vision of Christ, scourged and bloodied. He accused Margaret of forgetting about him. He showed her that his heart was full of love for her, because of the promise she made to his blessed mother as a child. After the vision, Margaret was determined to fulfill the vow she made years ago. She entered the visitation convent at Paris le monial in May 1671 to become a nun. Well, that's pretty powerful right there. You know, I mean, when I look at the life of a saint in that way, how many of us are the same way? I do this all the time. Gosh, you know, God, if, if you do this for me right now, I really need this favor. I promise you I'm going to do a holy hour. I promise you I'm going to have a mass said for somebody. I promise you I'm going to be more devoted to, to the Eucharist. And it's easy to do that in the moment, right? When we're in an illness or when we find ourselves down and out or anything along those lines, we do that all the time. But do we fulfill our promises to God? I think the reason God came to Margaret and said, hey, you made this promise to me is because we have to understand that God will always fulfill his promises. If God made a promise to us, he's not going to break it. Our human nature is such that we you know, break our promises or we kind of put them to the side because we get caught up in worldly things. Now, we can say St. Margaret Mary was obeying her mom. Her mom encouraged her to become more social and want her to find a, a suitable husband. But remember, <clears throat> she had told Our Lady that she was going to consecrate herself to religious life. That's powerful to me because it makes me think of a few things. You know, when it comes to mental health and people come to the clinic and they're feeling depressed or anxious or really out of sorts in life, they don't know where their life is going. I feel this way at times. I mean, we all go through these moments. I have to ask myself, and this is something that makes me think about praying for this, have I fulfilled my promises to God? Have I made promises in my life before where I said, God, I'm going to do this and forgot to fulfill it or let it go by the wayside. Not that I ignored it on purpose or to be mean, but I just didn't, you know, life got in the way, work got in the way, things got busy, life got busy with the kids. And boy, I didn't, I didn't go and do that extra holy hour. I didn't pray that rosary like I said I was going to. You know, that can happen. I would say I'm going to start praying to for, for God to give me insight on that and to remind me of anything that I need to fulfill. Because obviously, if I'm not fulfilling that, something could be going on in our lives where we're not going to be feeling good. We're not going to be feeling like, we're where we need to be. The Sacred Heart here in the month of June is going to remind us of that. The, there's a fire to the Sacred Heart because God is in love with us with this deep fire, the way he was in love with Margaret Mary, and he shows us that. We have to remind ourselves that throughout devotion to the Sacred Heart, a whole lot can be accomplished. You know, as children of God, um, it's important to remember that he's going to try to guide us uh, as a good parent, as a good father, uh, in the right way. And he gives us a mother. He gives us our spiritual mother in Our Lady. What a better than, you know, continues the tradition of the family, the father and the mother and the children. Um, you know, it's from the start. It's from the beginning of Genesis. We see that that's where God is leading us. The devotion to the Sacred Heart in this month from St. 
Margaret Mary reminds us of that too, you know, being that she is the patron of lost parents, it makes us think about, well, you know, if I have this devotion to the Sacred Heart, if I start thinking about why does St. Margaret Mary have that, is there an issue or is that something happened? Does something happen if there is a loss of a parent or there is a missing mother or a missing father in the household? We're going to see that on the next segment of the break when we talk a little bit about this adoption syndrome, um, because it can be very, very impactful. But in the meantime, I would say I want to see what kind of devotions I need or what kind of prayers or what kind of promises I made to God that I need to keep up with, um, because I believe that that's going to bring a lot of peace in our lives as well. It's never peaceful to continue to have debts. Um, now, uh, St. Margaret Mary spent her time in the common, so she was admitted as a nun. She became a nun, um, and she was wearing a religious habit by August of 1671, um, but she was not officially professed until November of 1672. You know, she was described as humble, simple, kind, and patient, but yet it seemed like she had to prove the authenticity of her vocation uh, to her own community. That's pretty important. It says that during her time in the monastery, she received several private revelations of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the vision showed her the form of the devotion, the chief features being reception of Holy Communion on the first Friday of each month, Eucharistic adoration during a holy hour on Thursdays, and the celebration of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Hey, this month it's going to be, I believe it's going to be June 24th. Uh, it's going to be Friday, June 24th this month is the Feast of the Sacred Heart. I would encourage all of us at that point to make a concerted effort to receive communion on that day, to have made a confession, uh, and to really consider a holy hour on the Thursday before. Just stop what we're doing give an hour to Christ and prepare ourselves to receiving the Eucharist on the Sacred Heart. And let's see what changes in our life. Let's see what positivity is going to change in our life. I think it's a beautiful devotion to the Sacred Heart in this month of June. Um, very, very important. Now, this is interesting because it says that the vision, Jesus actually instructed St. Margaret Mary to do a holy hour every Thursday night. I remember like a couple uh, last year I had uh, been doing a, a uh, devotion um, for the, the Sacred Heart, for actually for a holy hour uh, once a week. It was beautiful. I got to get back into that practice. I haven't been as faithful once a week, but I remember it was a, a very peaceful time. Uh, but he instructed our, Jesus instructed our uh, St. Margaret to spend an hour every Thursday night meditating on his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, a practice known as the Holy Hour that became widespread. And that's where that came from. You know, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, the Holy Hour, the First Fridays, it's just a beautiful practice to have. Now, what's important with St. Margaret Mary? Um, it's, you know, she did pass away at the age of 43 on October 17th, 1690, um, while she was being anointed. And this is what she said on her deathbed. It says that she spoke the words, I need nothing but God and to lose myself in the heart of Jesus. That's beautiful. You know, this is, this is what I want to learn from the saint. When I'm thinking of the sacred heart this month, what is it that I want to learn? Why, why have this devotion to the sacred heart? I think I want to learn to be like that, to be able to have that peace where I say, I need nothing but God and lose myself in the heart of Jesus. I worry so much about things going on in life. I do. You know, I, I think we all do. And boy, I admit it myself. I worry about like what's going to happen to my kids. You know, what about jobs and what about things like that? If I can start thinking a little bit more like this, where I need nothing but God, lose myself to the heart of Jesus. What a moment of peace that must be. You know, especially this is what St. Margaret's telling us on her deathbed. Well, maybe I need to die a little bit more to the world and my, die to my worries and start focusing a little bit more on 
only needing God and letting God take care of my life. Boy, that would be peaceful. I'm going to start working on that. Maybe we'll have to do another prayer type challenge uh, so that we can try to get that as our goal. I like that, actually. I like that a lot. We're going to have to start to do that. Um, yeah, in the next talk, we'll, we'll talk about how we're going to do that. So what happens after her death? Well, believe it or not, you know, after she became a saint, they exhumed her body and her head was actually found to be incorrupt. Um, believe it or not, that's that's what uh, um, that's a story. And you can actually see her. Uh, you can see her head. Let me see where that was. I got to check my notes on where you can still see that. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that because uh, I can't find it anymore. But her head wasn't corrupt. And that's that's beautiful. You know, part of the story goes that while she was sick and while she was uh, praying to Christ and while she was going through sufferings, at times Christ would appear to her and she would lay her head on his sacred heart and that she he, he would allow her to do that. I think that's so beautiful. Um, and I wonder if that's why her head was incorrupt. You know, when we're that close to Christ, we hear about the incorruptibles all the time. What is it that makes the saints incorruptible? Well, it's got to be a certain certain level of holiness because, gosh, after all my sins, I can only imagine my body is going to be corrupt. I, can, I can't even imagine being incorruptible. But if we get to the point where we see a saint, they exhume the body and they're incorruptible, got to believe that there was something very special, such a strong closeness to God. More when we come back from the break. I'll find out where, her, uh, where we can see her incorrupt uh, head and the bones that are still preserved. After the break, we'll see you here. So her incorrupt body rests at the Visitation Monastery in Paray-le-Monlial. It's French, so pardon my pronunciation on that. And it rests at the Chapel of the Apparitions. It's a side altar. Um, and it says that many striking blessings have been claimed by pilgrims attracted there from all parts of the world. So if you're ever in France, if you're ever in Paray-le-Monlial, uh, at the Visitation Monastery, you go to the side chapel there, the chapel of the apparitions, the side altar, and you're going to see the incorrupt body of St. Margaret Mary. Now, why is this important? <clears throat> I thought it was an interesting connection. Like I said, there's no coincidences with God. I thought it was an interesting connection that in the month of June, um, you know, we're celebrating uh, the sacred heart of Jesus. We're taking great pride in the sacred heart of Jesus. We're taking a great sense of being Catholic because that's really our home, right? If you think about it, that's our home. That's that's where we're going to go live. That's if I'm going to make it to heaven. It's because I'm going to live in Jesus's heart, and I'm going to be accepted into heaven um, because of the sacrifice He made for me. So <clears throat> I thought it was important that with the connection of the devotion of the Sacred Heart, Saint Margaret Mary is also the patron of lost parents of the loss of parents. Well, why is that? of interest to me. As a psychiatrist, what I can tell you is that we treat people for many different things. And when we think about children, a lot of times what people will say, oh, you know, gosh, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Um, but children, boy, children are very resilient. You know, parents are getting divorced or something happens, there's a tragedy and whether it be because of a war, you know, this child's no longer with their mother or their father. This child doesn't know their mother or their father. And gosh, they 
they're they're okay though look at look at how quiet they are they're just playing with their toys children are very resilient is what we usually say and the reality is i can tell you the psychiatrist i don't think children are resilient so much as they are very quiet and children just kind of have to go with the flow they come they go along because as a child we don't really have much of a voice uh, for our own you know we're kind of not allowed to have bad days if you're at school and you're having a bad day boy they're gonna let your your parents know you know not having a good day Okay, that could be good. It could be bad. It's always good to to evaluate that. But we're always caring for children and making sure that children are okay and that children are happy. And um, we say children are resilient because they're they're kind of okay and happy. But as I treat adults who are spending the rest of their lives trying to get over their childhood, you know that resiliency usually just means they're kind of doing okay at the time. They're not going to say much. And then all of a sudden, when something happens, we become adults. We have to start making decisions for ourselves. And those events that happen to us during childhood. They bubble up. They're still there, and they can be burdensome, troublesome. Well, when it comes to the loss of a parent, I started thinking. Started thinking of myself. Something, something reminded me. Gosh, I remember. Now I haven't worked with this directly per se. I have worked with a few adopted children, but there is something that sometimes we call the adopted child syndrome. And what does that mean? It really talks about the psychological issues that are being faced by adopted children and as adults, right? So all of a sudden. Uh, we can actually think of it as adopted children and adults. I mean, whenever we feel abandoned, whenever we feel uh, that we're missing our parents, our home base, we're not going to feel good. Well, I stumbled upon this article. I thought it was a great article. Uh, it's uh, from mentalhealth.net. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that uh, in our talk. And it gave some case examples as to um, situations where difficulties can be faced by children and adults who were adopted. It just so happens that way. Why am I focusing on adoption? Because St. Mary, again, is the patron of uh, loss of a parent. And adoption, by its very nature, tells me that something's missing. Mom's not there, dad's not there, or both are not there. You know, everybody's got a mother and a father. But let's look at some of these cases that came up in this article. Um, it says, a woman discovers that her birth mother is alive, even though her adopted parents told her she was dead. In point of fact, her adoptive mother had tried to contact her and the adoptive family from the time she was five years old and onward. That can be pretty traumatic, you know, if somebody tells you that your parents aren't really alive and we're going to be your parents. Now, nowadays, believe it or not, there's a lot of contracts. If you're, if you're not aware of adoptions and now we have surrogacies and things like that, there's all these different things that go on where there can be a contract, a clause where it says, you know, the birth parents may never contact the adopted parents, or they can modify that and say, sure, they can meet with them every six months. Or, you know, there's all these different things that become legal um, in these contracts. But in this particular case, this was a, a situation that the person found traumatic. They found out that the adopted parents told them that the parents were dead. But in reality, the, the mother was uh, alive um, and she'd been trying to contact her. But Apparently there was some kind of break there. There, there wasn't the contact was not allowed. That can be pretty traumatic. The next one was a young woman from a war-torn Asian na nation was adopted by a white American family. She will not search for her parents and family because she is convinced they are dead, and she does not wish to betray her American parents. She comes to therapy because she has difficulty maintaining intimate relationships and feels quite depressed. Now, in the first one, the woman would have liked to probably talk to her mom. She was, uh, why, why did she discover that her birth mother was alive? It usually ends up coming out, you know? She might've been asking about it, who knows? Um, and the second one, the the gal, the, this woman, she did not search for her parents because she was convinced they were dead. 
but this happens very commonly. She didn't want to betray her American parents. Sometimes there's a sense that if I know that I'm adopted and I go look for my real parents, boy, my, my adopted parents are going to feel bad. It says that she comes to therapy because she have, she has difficulty maintaining intimate relationships and feels quite depressed. This is very true. I've seen this, you know, with adults um, where they either were, uh, sometimes it happens with only children, you know, doesn't have, I've seen that before, but here we're talking about adopted uh, children. And in this particular case, she didn't feel like she could, you know, meet her real parents or she was convinced that they were dead and she didn't want to betray her American parents by actually doing a search. And so now she's having difficulty in intimate relationships. Does that happen? Absolutely. Yeah. And she's feeling quite depressed. Yeah. Because if I feel like I can't have an honest relationship with the most basic uh, relationship I can ever have, which is my parents, um, how am I going to have an honest, intimate relationship with someone else? That can be very challenging. Here's another case. An adopted girl is convinced that her parents are her natural parents. However, they are unable to explain to her why she is in the wedding photographs when they had told her she was born a year after they married. Hmm? You know, it's the question, what are we going to tell this child? They're adopted. Are we going to tell them the truth? Or are we going to try to sugarcoat it for lots of different reasons? Sometimes we think we're protecting the child, but a lot of times we're protecting ourselves as adults. It's, it's interesting to have this syndrome. Um, and then, you know, and those are just a few of the types of situations. Why do we bring these up? Why, what happens with these situations? Well, what are the issues that the adopted uh, person is going to feel? One of the most common ones is feeling rejected, abandoned, you know, by their birth parents, feeling that, gosh, my parents didn't love me. You know, they, why did they give me up for adoption if the child was given up for adoption um, or they weren't around for them? They didn't care enough about me. They didn't love me. Now, remember, as kids, this might not bubble up. It might not happen as kids, but usually it starts to happen as we come into our own, into adulthood, as we say, coming of age, uh, late teenage years, uh, early 20s. We start wondering, as we think about maybe forming our own families, what happened to our families? We feel we feel rejected. We feel abandoned because my parents didn't love me. Well, I think that's, that's a great time to turn to the sacred heart and to say, hey, I better pray about this and see what's going on in my heart and ask the sacred heart to heal my heart as well because I don't want to feel abandoned. I don't want to feel rejected. We don't know what happened. And we know any of us who are parents know that we don't have all the answers. Life is more complex. I don't judge anybody uh, who had to give up their child for adoption or anything along those lines. Things are complex. We make complex decisions at the time. There's a myriad of reasons why this happens. But we've got to remember that there's going to take a toll. There's going to be an effect on the person who was adopted. Now, it says that this is also accompanied by feelings of grief and loss, which is true. We have to get used to, we have the loss of a parent now. You know, we, it's, it's almost like a funeral. I don't have this parent in my life. There's a death there, if you will. It's an existential death or a metaphysical death. Um, but, and it says, you know, there's no set time, according to this article, there's no set time or age when these feelings surface. Uh, sooner or later, they do. Usually, I notice, like I said, it's usually later in, in, as we're coming into adulthood, uh, late teenage years, early 20s years. It could be even later than that. Um, there is no particular time. But as a kid, sometimes people don't think about them. And they might have these feelings but don't know how to express them um, or are just kind of going along at the time. But it does come up, you know, the rejection, the abandonment, uh, the feeling of grief and loss. I think this is a, a time when we, we, we are feeling this way. If we are feeling um, less than, St. Margaret Mary is a great, patron to uh, pray to, you know, she is the patron state of loss of a parent. 
And what better than linking us to the sacred heart of Christ? Let's see what other feelings can accompany this or what happens because of this. Well, once we start to feel loss or rejection, once we start to feel rejected, we start to feel like we're damaged. We're damaged. There's something wrong with me. I'm rejected. Something's not good about me. There, there's something wrong about me. And that's going to hurt the self-esteem. And that's the part where we want to move forward in life. We want to uh, succeed in life, as we say, have a good career, have a healthy family, uh, have healthy interactions. Remember, there was a case that we read that I read about where a person could have formed intimate relationships. Why? Because there's a sense of damage of ourselves. If we can't form intimate relationships, sometimes we wonder, what's wrong with these people that I'm dating? I can't form an intimate relationship with them. But the reality we have to sometimes ask ourselves is, is there a part of me that I'm not allowing myself to form intimate relationships? Is there a fear of rejection? Do I already feel damaged so I feel like I wouldn't be a good part of an intimate relationship? It's good questions to ask. Um, because a lot of times we start thinking, there must be something wrong with me that my birth parents gave me away. What's wrong with me? You know, the, the actions speak louder than words. Many people can tell you, you're fine, you're great. But unless we hear it from mom and dad, it's kind of hard to accept. This is where I tell parents all the time, you know, we wonder how am I going to keep my my child from falling into the pitfalls of the world. I want to raise them as good Catholics. I tell them, never stop being parents. You'd think that what you're saying is not settling into their hearts, not settling into their minds, because especially as kids become adolescents, they just go through life and it seems like they're just going to do their own thing. They're going to listen to their friends more. They're going to listen to the lyrics and the music that they're listening to more, which is very true. They can be influenced by that. But this is where we as parents never stop being parents. We still say what we think. We still let them know that they're important. We still let them know uh, what's right and wrong because that's going to settle in the heart. And then all of a sudden, as children become older, they're going to start to feel that. They're going to start to remember that. And that's what's going to become important. It's usually the words of the parents that stick more than anything else. Something in the back of my mind, I'm always listening to my mom, my dad, when I'm trying to make decisions. Gosh, what would they have done? Believe it or not, even as an adult thinking, well, maybe I should get their advice, even at this age. Well, we'll talk more about that when we come back from the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are celebrating the Sacred Heart. It is the month of June. Uh, the month devoted to the Sacred Heart, feast day of the Sacred Heart again in this month is Friday, June 24th. Why don't we do a little fasting, a little holy hour on the Thursday before to commemorate the passion of Christ, to commemorate his uh, suffering at the Garden of Gethsemane, receive communion on that Friday, and hopefully maybe have gone to confession the week before, but go to confession on the Saturday afterwards, uh, so long as you're not in mortal sin. Um, you know, we got to make that devotion. We got to believe that Jesus is going to work in our lives in that sacred heart. I'm tying it in today a little bit with the idea of, you know, this uh, the, the challenges for children who grow up without their biological parents, uh, their moms, their dads. Uh, everybody's got a mother and a father, and we're always going to have that quest. We're always going to have that need to find out who our real mom or dad is if we don't know them. Um, it's common psychology, it's common sense. You know, when we get into adolescence, uh, we start to look for that sense of identity. And the more we have, the more we understand where we come from, the more at peace we're going to be with our identity. You know, how many times do teenagers say, oh, I need to go find myself? Gosh, if I said that to my parents, they'd say, go look in the mirror, you're right here. 
you know, they wouldn't understand this concept. But a lot of times people feel lost. They say, I need to find myself. I don't know who I am. Well, where are you going to start? If you're going to try to figure out who you are, you're going to start from where you came from. You know, where's my mom? Where's my dad? What kind of genetic information do I have? Common sense when it comes to needing medical care, uh, especially when it comes to wanting to get married and seeing, gosh, what can my children possibly have? What could they possibly inherit, you know, from any medical illnesses or things like that? It's very, very normal to have that. And if we don't have those facts, if we haven't been told who our biological parents are, there's going to be a big sense of loss, a big gap for us to really have that sense of understanding who we are. If you've ever found yourself in the situation or you think that you know somebody you might be in the situation, I would recommend having a strong devotion to St. Margaret Mary. Again, she is the patron saint of the loss of a parent. Um, that's so powerful. And if her devotion is strong with the Sacred Heart, I believe that praying to the Sacred Heart, having a strong devotion to the Sacred Heart, praying to St. Uh, Margaret Mary to ask to intercede for us can provide some of that healing in our hearts because it's easy to feel lost. It's easy to feel like you don't have a place in this world when you don't know who your mother and your father are. You know, it's very important to consider. Well, how can we have this devotion to uh, the Sacred Heart? Let's look at a couple things. I always like to say we need to think like Catholics in order to live like Catholics, in order to be Catholic. I want to think about like a Catholic about the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Well, who can I turn to? Every night, I got to say, my family does a novena prayer to the Sacred Heart, and we took it from the novena prayer attributed to St. Uh, Padre Peel. So why don't we go ahead and pray that right now? It's very short. I'm going to put a link to this as well on this talk, but it's very short. We say it every night after we do our, our rosary. Um, it's very quick and easy, and I think it's very, very powerful. So let's go ahead and pray that now for, for just for families in general, you know, for any kid who, who might feel lost, who might feel like they don't know who their parents are, any parents who feel at a loss at how to uh, bring up their child, for moms and dads everywhere, um, and for, you know, uh, a procurement of, of, our, of our families as, as mothers and fathers uh, who are trying to live out a good Catholic life. So let's go ahead and say this is the efficacious novena to the Sacred Heart. Um, and we'll start with the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my Jesus, you have said, truly I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Behold, I knock, I seek, and I ask for the grace of. And you can insert whatever intention you have here. And then we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. O my Jesus, you have said, truly I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Behold, in your name I ask the Father for the grace of. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. One more. Oh, my Jesus, you have said, truly I say to you, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Encouraged by your infallible words, I now ask for the grace of... Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you. And we close with this prayer. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, from whom it is impossible not to have compassion on the afflicted, have pity on us miserable sinners, and grant us the grace which we ask of you through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, your tender mother and ours. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To you do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To you do we sing to, to you do we send out our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of prayer of tears. I'm <laughs> forgetting my holy, holy queen. <clears throat> and then as I'm forgetting that, because I'm looking at the time here, I don't want to run out of time. Finish it off with St. Joseph, foster father of Jesus, pray for us. Say the hail, holy queen for me. Uh, I was looking at the time because I wanted to get into the 12 promises of the sacred heart. So every time, remember I said, Jesus came back to um, St. Margaret because he said, you made me a promise. And I said, well, Jesus always keeps his promises right so if jesus is going to keep his promises what we have to keep ours as well um and let's look at the promises that jesus says for us actually you know what let's let's do the prayer to the hail holy queen first hail holy queen mother of mercy our life our sweetness and our hope to you do we cry poor banished children of eve to you do we send up our sighs mourning and weeping in this valley of tears turn thy most gracious advocate thine eyes of mercy towards us and after this our exile show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb jesus O clement a loving O sweet virgin mary Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. And you close it with St. Joseph, foster father of Jesus. Pray for us. Let's look at those promises that Jesus has for us. I'm going to put links to the prayers under this talk. But Jesus gave us 12 promises if we have a devotion to the Sacred Heart. He said this to St. Margaret Mary. The first one is, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. I think we need that nowadays, especially in this battle for marriage and this battle to be good Catholics in our marriages. The next promise is I will establish peace in their homes. Okay, peace in their homes. What more could we want than to have peace in our households? You know, we're worried about what our kids are doing, what their friends are doing, what influences they have. If we have a devotion to the sacred heart and we consecrate our homes to the sacred heart, there will be peace there, which means that in our hearts, we're going to turn to God in our times of need. I will comfort them in all of their afflictions. How many times were we worried? Did I mention that? I said, gosh, I start to worry too about the world and about jobs and about finances and about children and going to college. But God's going to comfort us in all of their afflictions. Christ through the sacred heart is going to comfort. And he says all the afflictions. He knows about the material afflictions we have. There's no question about it. Sometimes we think that, oh, these are soft things. Jesus doesn't know about our lives, but he does. Let's look at promise number four. I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. This is huge. What more do we want than to have that refuge of Christ during life and in death? We just have this devotion to the sacred heart. Again, 
regardless of our concerns and our worries, whether it be that we're concerned about our own families, if we're wondering where our, our birth parents are, um, where, if we're wondering where our children are, anybody along those lines, Christ is there. He knows what's going on in our lives. I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. You know, sometimes we forget that Christ is right there with us in whatever we are doing, whatever we decide to undertake, whatever we decide is our mission. And Jesus is saying he's going to bestow blessings upon all of our undertakings. Obviously, assuming that what we're doing is going to lead us to him and lead other people to him. That's where Jesus is going to, that's where we're going to shine. And that's where he's going to give us his blessings. Let's look at number six. Sinners will find that my will find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. That's what we need. We show up at the pearly gates. I hope that we have an infinite ocean of mercy. I hope that I do, because that's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need God's mercy. After my time here on earth, my level of imperfection, my you know sense of easily being swayed by what the world wants to give us, I hope that I have that mercy from, from God. And if I keep that devotion to the sacred heart in spite of my imperfections and strive to be with Christ, He's already telling us that we're going to find the source of infinite ocean of mercy in him. This is amazing. Now, here's an important one. Lukewarm souls shall become fervent. Why is that important? Because if we start reading the book of Revelation, we've got to remember that Christ says lukewarm souls are the worst abomination for him. He throws them up. He can't stand that. I worry about ever becoming lukewarm. I never want to become lukewarm. But if I keep a devotion to the sacred heart, there will be no lukewarmness in my soul. He will make me fervent for him. That's huge. Now, the next part is, so he's already making me a fervent soul. Promise number eight, fervent soul shall quickly mount to high perfection. I'll take that. If he's already going to help me because I'm praying and devoting to myself to the sacred heart to not be lukewarm, he's going to take that. He's going to see our efforts and he's going to all of a sudden give us a high level of perfection. Not that we're going to be better than other people. I would say perfection in God's eyes. That's what I need. I don't need perfection in the world's eyes. I want perfection in God's eyes. Maybe to the world, I'm going to look like a disaster, and that's fine. So long as God sees a perfection in me, I'll take that any day of the week. That's that's all that's going to matter. Let's look at promise number nine. I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. How beautiful is that? I got to remember, I have a holy card here. I got to remember to take that to work. Got to put that in my office. I want those blessings. I want to be able to be a good doctor. I want to be able to know what the right treatment is for individual patients. And whatever, wherever we are in our walk of life, if we just have an image of the of the Sacred Heart, God is saying, place an image there, and I will and make it exposed and honored, and I will bless that place. That's beautiful. A few more promises. Three more. Time's almost up here, but in the last minute, let's give them to you. Number ten. I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. That's got to be beautiful for priests because, boy, I hope that they are linked in there with the sacred heart of Christ because that's the whole mission of the priesthood. Number 11, those who shall pr- promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart. I'll take that. Gosh, Jesus, I hope that this counts <laughs> as I'm talking about it on the radio show. You know, please put your name in my heart. And I ask that all of our listeners get their name written in the heart of Christ. How beautiful is that? Let's read number 12. This is a big one. I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. I tell you, all our listeners, I want to make sure that June 24th, Friday, June 24th, Devotion to the Sacred Heart, let's do that holy hour. Let's receive communion. Until next week, this is Dr. Senegal saying, keep it Catholic.